Welcome to Awaken to Grace in session three of our series called Ask Anything. Today we are tackling a very polarizing question, especially in Christian circles on homosexuality. And then also Chad answers a wonderful question on healing. And he has just a tremendous amount of wisdom and insight and personal experience that he can sort of speak into the subject of healing. A few times throughout this episode, Chad will mention different resources that we have. I want to go ahead and direct you to those. If you don't know, you can download our free mobile app. It is called Awakened to Grace. You can get that on your phone just wherever you download your apps. And then also on our website, awakenedtograce.com, we have our online store, we have articles, we have sermon series, podcasts, you, there's links to our radio, um, and all the digital resources are always free. The online store, the physical copies of things, of course, we have to charge. Just Really, we're just charging for whatever it costs to produce that, and all we're really trying to do is just spread the gospel as far and wide as we can. So again, that is awakenedtograce.com, or download our free mobile app called Awakened to Grace today, session three of Ask Anything, and we hope you enjoy this edition of Awakened to Grace. All right, our next set of questions deal with the subject of homosexuality. Uh, this question came in. It says, how does one approach the subject of a homosexual lifestyle to lost friends and family and still show the love of God? And then it goes on to ask, how do you make the scripture known to them without being judgmental? Well, that's a very good question. And what I appreciate about the person who submitted this is how do I do this while showing the love of God. That is absolutely key. And you can take the issue of homosexuality out of it, and I don't care what subject you deal with or what sin you're confronting or who you're dealing with. You, we must show the love of God. We are to freely give what we have freely received. And so, you know, these people with bullhorns and signs and you know, all they want to do is yell and argue and yell to the top of their lungs. No, I'm very got, combative. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Listen, God has not given us a combative spirit at all. And I, I have no interest. I have no use for people who act that way. So let's as we have in everything, let's go to the scriptures. Uh, Pastor Eric, take us to Jude chapter one. And let's see what the scriptures say, how we should approach this subject. Yeah. So we're going to start in verse 18. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Okay. Uh, let's pause right there. So again, whether it is homosexuality or no matter what the topic is, in the last days, people are more so going to follow their own desires, their own passions, and which are sinful, Right. So, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, homosexuality or, uh, you know, someone, you know, couples who are living together, you know, they're unwilling to go God's path of marriage and they're simply living together. Well, fr friends, that's sin. You're following your own passions. So, again, I know a lot of times the church will crusade against one sin over the other. or what. No, we don't want to do that. W what we're saying is... Um, in the last days, p 
people are going to be selfish and they're going to go their own way, not God's way. So Jude is setting it up, telling us what the last days are going to be like. Continue on. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying to the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice what he said. There's a distinction. There's a difference between people who follow their own passions, devoid of the Spirit, worldly, divisive. There's a difference. Look how divisive our country is right now. Look how divisive this culture is. And let me tell you, Christians ought to rise above it. And how do we rise above it? But ye beloved, you. How big is that word beloved? When Jesus was baptized, what did God say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Friends, do you know that this puts us in the same view in God's eyes as his own precious son, Jesus? God calls you a son, a daughter of God. We are the beloved of God. Oh, it's amazing. And what does he say? Keep yourselves where? In the love of God. Don't veer out of love. Listen, you're not to be judgmental. You're not to be critical. You're not to be combative. No, let's keep ourselves in the love of God. How? Continue on, Eric. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh what scripture you know you hear often that saying we should hate the sin but love the sinner where does that come from this verse hating even the garment stained so what's he saying for some, read that verse to me again about showing... Um, and have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. So here's a distinction, okay? There are some people that have very sincere questions, and especially when it comes to homosexuality, the church has failed many who struggle with homosexuality. Do you know why? Because we have not answered their sincere questions. There are some people, listen, there are some, all they want to do is yell. All they want to do is fight. All they want to do is argue. Fine. I had an old man tell me one time when I was a young pastor, he said, Chad, some people will hit their head against the wall just to listen to the noise. Don't pay attention to those people. But let me tell you who we should pay attention to. Those who really wrestle, those who really struggle, those who really have sincere doubts. We ought to be patient with them. We ought to be kind with them. We ought to be loving with them. We ought to be willing to have those difficult conversations. Now, the next set, he said, for others, snatching them out of the fire. What does that mean? That means we're to confront their sin. It didn't say be combative, but we are to confront sin. We are to confront it. We're to be willing to have hard and difficult conversations. We're to be willing to get uncomfortable. And then what does he say, Eric? To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. To others show mercy with fear. Oh, it's a fearful thing. The scriptures say it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Oh, we got to tell our culture this. 
We have to tell people who are headed toward destruction and they don't know it. They don't realize that they're like Nineveh. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. Oh, the church ought to have a voice. But let me tell you, our voice ought to be bathed in prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's our job to spread the gospel. It's our job to tell these precious people you're headed toward destruction. We better do it with mercy. We better do it with fear. What's he mean by fear? Oh, it's a serious thing. It ought to be a priority to the church. Hating the very garment stained with sin. We hate the sin. Oh, but we love the sinner just as Christ did us. While we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and died for us. Wow. Christ hated our sin, but he loved us, the sinner. And look at the hope in verse 20. But you, beloved building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Look at what he says here, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So when we get down to 23 and we talk about confronting people's sin, how do we confront them? With love, with mercy, because with I, to me, what that's talking about there is the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. It's what is it that leads us to repentance? It's the Lord's kindness. That's right. It's the Lord's mercy yes. that leads us. So no amount of of confrontation out of a spirit of love is going to help someone find salvation. Yes. When we approach them, when we what it says, snatching them out of the fire, yeah. we do that with love and mercy because it is our kindness in the Lord's kindness that can lead them to repentance. We created a resource a few years ago. Uh, I did a talk called Same Sex and Transgender Confusion and the Clarity of the Gospel. And in that talk, I wasn't, I wasn't addressing those who just want to yell and fight and fuss and argue. I was addressing those who, again, we the church, we have failed many people who wrestle with homosexuality because we have not answered their sincere doubts as the book of Jude instructs us to do. May the church do better in this regard. May we step up to the plate. May we welcome difficult questions. May we welcome sincere doubts. And may we do it with great mm -hmm. mercy and with great fear. Absolutely. All right, here's our uh, last question. On this topic, can homosexuals be saved if they don't live a homosexual lifestyle? So pastorally, my answer would be yes, because people wrestle with temptations. Temptations do not cause you to lose salvation. Um, everyone is tempted. Everyone. Everyone. Uh, people have different temptations. They, they, they wrestle with different things. It was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great man of God in uh, Germany during Hitler's Nazism. He was actually hung by Hitler in a concentration camp at the end of the war. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you should do reading of Dietrich Bonhoeffer to change your life. He said once, sin is not in the bait. Sin is in the bite. Okay, every person struggles with temptation. 
Every person is tempted. Now, it's what you do with that temptation that matters. It was the great Protestant reformer, uh, Martin Luther, in the 1500s. Martin Luther would say this about temptation. He would say, I cannot help it if birds fly around my head, but I can prevent them from building a nest. (laughs) I love that. You know, and, and, and Paul would say the same thing, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus. Actually, Eric, read that scripture for us. Yeah, it's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Oh, what a great scripture. So what would I say to someone who is in the throes of this? They're wrestling. Maybe maybe they they have attractions to this, but they also have conviction and they feel like, you know, this is wrong. Well, I would say to you, my friend, you are not wrong for facing temptation. You would be wrong in succumbing to the temptation. What I would say to you is take every thought captive. If you are watching pornographic things, if you are around things of homosexuality, if you are around friends that are trying to influence you this way, you need to remove yourself away from the temptations and you need to Again, whether it's homosexuality or anything else, if I allow myself to think lustful thoughts toward other people, if I allow myself to, to think sexual thoughts, well, I'm disobeying the word here. I am to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Remember, sin is not in the bait. It's not in the temptation. Sin is in the bite. It's what you do with that temptation. All right. Next question. Why do we often hear in today's world that physical healings are a process when we read in the Bible of so many instant and miraculous healings that took place? Hmm. Well, that is a personal question that I wrestle with often because, as most of our listeners know, I am completely blind. And, you know, I believe the Lord is going to open my eyes once again. I believe that I will at some point regain my vision. That's where my faith is. So, you know, personally, I struggle with this. And, you know, I'll tell you something that really helped me. Uh, We spent four or five months in the book of Mark going chapter by chapter Walking with Jesus, we even called that series Walking with Jesus because we went from town to town and village to village studying miracle after miracle. And what I was so amazed at is that previously when I would read Mark or listen to Mark in my case, you know, there would be all of these miracles where Mark would say, and immediately this happened. And it would make me feel really bad. It would make me think, well, gosh, Lord, why, why am I, you know, what's going on? And, and the Holy Spirit this whole time keeps telling me this is a process. It is a process. I even, I, I remember there's a woman in our community who leads a very strong and effective um, prayer group. It's called Clarion Call. And she has led this group for many years and Right as I was going blind, and I didn't know her very well. I'd met her once or twice. She 
came to me, contacted me, and said, Pastor Chad, I have to tell you what the Lord showed me. The Lord told me that you're going to go blind for a season, but the Lord has great purpose in it. And she said, the Lord is going to deepen your spiritual vision. He's going to open your spiritual perception. And then the Lord said, he's going to open your eyes again. I believe that. I, I believe that was, I believe that, that, but it's a process. It's a process. So does God heal instantaneously? Absolutely. There are many, many situations where it is instantaneously. So what do we do with when we read, like in the book of Mark, that immediately these things happen? Well, here's what I learned in our study. Uh, the word immediately is not just connected to healings. It was connected to the narrative. It, Forty-five times Mark used the Greek word ethos, E-U-T-H-O-S, which means straightforward or immediately. It was Mark's favorite word. And that's, that's the narrative of the gospel. It's a fast-moving, it's like a shooting script, it's a fast-paced gospel. And so, you know, when you read immediately, the eyes opened, or immediately the hand was restored, or immediately uh, the blood dried up with the issue of the woman with the blood issue. When you read those things, you also have to remember the other stories, the other scenarios, the other situations where immediately they moved on, or immediately they came down from the mount, or immediately they crossed over here. Uh, it wasn't just healing. And I know that helped me because many times I felt like maybe there was something wrong with me that, mm. or something wrong with my faith that God wasn't doing it immediately. No, friends, God takes us through a process that the Bible calls the refiner's fire. And there are times, you know, we even wrote a book entitled this, He's in the Waiting. God is found in the waiting, and there isn't anything wrong when the Lord has you wait and tarry and seek his face. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your faith. The thing that immediately came to my mind, Chad, when you said the, uh, <clears throat> the woman that had spoken to your life and talked about the change that would take place during your season of blindness, immediately what came to mind for me was Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good to those who love Him, according to those who are for you know for those who who are called according to His purpose. And so, I think that that's being. I, I think you would say this. You said this to me, and I've heard you say this to others: is the change that God has done in you during the season of blindness. There, we don't we don't understand God's ways. We so I'm not trying to say that <clears throat> this is the only way that that could have happened, but I would say based on conversations that I've had with you that you're grateful for this season mm -hmm. that you're in because of the growth that has ha happened mm -hmm. as a result of it yeah. correct oh yeah I say all the time there's been far more gain than there has been lost great all right moving on to next question how have you kept evangelism intentional in your own life well that's that yeah that's an interesting question you know um I know growing up in a strong church environment, uh, many times for Christians, evangelism can feel like a box that we check off, right? If it, evangelism in many ways can feel like an event or it can feel like something that you uh, 
um, you know, go to do. Uh, no, I think evangelism very often is simply who we are. That everywhere we go, we are an aroma of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Paul wrote? That our lives ought to be this aroma of Jesus. And I think for me, and that was the question, how do you keep evangelism intentional? So I'll, I'll speak personally here. For me, evangelism is not a, a checked box and it's not an event. For me, evangelism is the way that I interact with everyone that I meet. You know, it's interesting when we went through the two-year study of the book of Acts, the Bible says that Paul, everywhere he would go, he would go first to the synagogue and he would reason. Now, I find that very interesting because, you know, in my mind's eye, I see Paul almost like Billy Graham preaching to thousands. I picture Paul rolling into a pagan city and going to the, you know, to the amphitheater or the stadium of the city and filling it up and preaching the gospel and just flipping the place upside down. But that's not what he did. As a matter of fact, the word that Luke uses there for reason means dialogue, conversation. Paul had conversations. Look at Lydia. He didn't preach a sermon to Lydia on the riverbank. He conversed with her. He had dialogue. So, yes, God uses evangelism events. God uses crusades. I'm not saying he doesn't. But I'm saying for most of us, very, you know, our everyday believer like me, no, God uses our conversations. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.